I want to send this out to, uh, I'm going to send it out to my little girl, Taylor, back home. It takes a lot to bring close to half a million people out to show their support for you. Daniel O'Connell and Michael Collins managed it in times past. So did Pope John Paul II. Of Ireland. I love you. And, of course, then we had the Irish footballers who blazed that trail of glory at Italia 90. Now, Garth Brooks can take a seat among them. As I said, deep down inside, everybody is a Garth Brooks fan screaming, trying to get out, you know what I mean? We always get slagged for being Garth Brooks fans, but we've just been diehard fans since we were really young. We had tickets for all five in Crow Park the last time as well. So this is our, this is our Christmas. <laughs> the cancellation of five sold-out concerts at Crow Park in 2014 caused ructions. I mean, literal ructions. And if the Prime Minister himself wants to talk to me, I will crawl, swim, I will fly over there this weekend, sit in front of him, I will drop on my knees and beg. I'm very disappointed that it hasn't happened. It's a mess and uh, it's a bitter economic lesson to have learned. But now, eight years on, all is forgiven, if not forgotten. If you're going to do a comeback special from that and you can pick any place in the world, this is the place to play. And Garth Brooks will take to the stage in Crow Park five times over the next week, starting tonight. I know I'll go five nights if I can. And, you know, before just can jog on. <laughs> just what is it about the singer that inspires his legion of Irish fans? Why do we love country music so much? And for the people who don't love country music and who don't love Garth Brooks, is all the Garth bashing just plain old snobbery? A good song is a good song, and there are people that just won't admit that for their own reasons. I'm Conor Pope, and this is In the News for the Irish Times. Today, why is Ireland obsessed with Garth Brooks? Here now is the man everybody's been talking about, Garth Brooks. Paul McKeever, would it be safe to say that you're a big Garth Brooks fan? Yeah, I'd be a big fan, yeah. Unfortunately, I'm one of them, I'm one of them sort of people. And tell me, have you been a fan for a long time? Oh, I've been a fan from the early, early, very early 90s. And what's the appeal? I don't honestly know. When I, the first time I seen him was on Channel 4, and it was This Is Garth Brooks. I don't know, I just, I just got sucked in from then on, you know, man. It was probably maybe some of the mad stuff, you know, what he'd done back in the 90s. Like, he'd done some crazy stuff, you know what I mean? Jumping off the stage and smashed two guitars together. And, you know, he'd done some mad things. It was sort of a bit of that. And then my mother was a big sort of country fan as well, was what we played in the house a lot. You know a dream is like a river, ever Anna O'Donoghue of the Irish Examiner, I suppose you'd class yourself as a big fan of Garth Brooks. Huge. <laughs> Very fair to say, yeah. No, since I was a little kid, I think I was born with a Stetson on, to be dead honest with you. <laughs> Where did that love come from? Was it part of your family? Were your family listening to country music? Or had it anything at all to do with country music, in fact? No, it was definitely my family. It was like a huge thing in the 90s. Like, my mum and dad used to go line dancing. All my cousins, which would be my mum's nieces and nephews, they were all line dancing. Two of them were, like, teaching line dancing. Like, it was crazy. They used to go to all the concerts together and then my mum used to always have it playing in the house. So I think it was just something you grew up with. It was more of a childhood kind of thing. Okay. Now, I just, I, I want you to imagine that I'm not a Garth Brooks fan for a second and I know nothing about Garth Brooks or what his appeal is. 
So could you maybe explain to me what is it about Garth Brooks that you like and indeed that 400,000 other people who are going to go and see him play in Crow Park over the next few days like? Well, I would say there's such a connection between Irish country music and American country music. So I suppose it's a lot of the kind of immigrants that went over, a lot of the lyrics, a lot of the we are normal people, we work on farms kind of lyric vibes. And then also on top of it, the performance element, like it's a big performance. It's um, easy lyrics to sing back as obviously Irish crowds love singing back to the lyrics. So it's kind of the combination of both. And I suppose Irish country music and American country music have very similar appeals. American country music has more pizzazz. Tony Clayton Lee, you're a music journalist, you're a pop culture editor, you're an author. Could you maybe start by telling me a little bit about Garth Brooks? I mean, what's his background and where does he come from, at the risk of sounding like Scylla Black? Well, he he was born 60 years ago, uh, 1962. He was born in Tulsa, Oklahoma. His mother, the nun more Irish named Colleen McElroy Carroll, (laughs) <laughs> uh, so you can see there was something of a theme yeah. here, uh, was herself a country singer. And every Friday night, as you can imagine, in that kind of rural area with such a kind of family musical background, there were sing-alongs. Uh, so Garth Brooks started performing from a very, very young age. OK, it might have been within the family homestead, within a family context. So there wasn't anything really professional, so to speak. But that's where he kind of cut his teeth. But, you know, as the 70s uh, approached, he uh, and he became a teenager, you know, any particularly living in America at that time, rock music was very much gaining its own ground. By the time he reached his mid 20s, he kind of and and, and very much, I think, influenced by a, a very well-known country singer called George Jones. He kind of reverted to wanting to sing country music rather than rock pop. So he moved to Nashville in his mid-twenties, which is where it all began for him. The fusion of the two kind of seemed like a no-brainer. How important is Garth Brooks now in the world of country music? And how important is he in popular culture? I mean, can we blame him, for example, for the wild popularity of line dancing in the 1980s in Ireland? Or was that popularity of Garth Brooks and the dance sensation of 1993 entirely coincidental? Right, OK. Well, I think to, to, to answer your kind of latter question first, it is coincidental because line dancing originated back in the 1950s. There, there was a movie called Urban Cowboy in the uh, late 70s. John Travolta was in that. That kind of like kickstarted a bit of a trend towards the mainstream love of country music. But the song in the 90s, and the artist in the 90s that is widely regarded as really kickstarting line dancing was Billy Ray Cyrus and Achy Breaky Heart. So we can blame, we can blame Miley's dad for that, but you can't deny the facts. I mean, the guy is one of the world's best selling music mm-hmm. acts. Uh, he sold, I think, upwards of 170 million records. That's, that's no small cheese, like, you know, frankly. 
Now, you've written extensively about rock music for decades and Irish rock music in particular, going back many, many decades. Do you think Ireland's love of country music in general and Garth Brooks's music in particular have links to the show bands of the 50s and 60s in this country? There's no doubt in my mind about that. I think the link is quite obvious. I think when the show bands started off in that kind of 1960s period, you know, they did look very much, of course, to the kind of pop music of the day, but also to the kind of country music that that was very prevalent, particularly on the radio at that time. But it still remains remarkably popular. You only have to look at, you know, the Late Late Show country uh, specials. They still focus on the acts that the show bands, you know, liked, some would say perhaps too much. Good evening welcome to the Late Late Show country music special, everybody! Anna, would it be fair to say that there's a bit of snobbery and looking down their noses at people who love Garth Brooks, people like you. There definitely is snobbery, but until I explain that it's my childhood and it's what I grew up with and I explain to them because they probably were unaware of the 90s mania, then they're like, oh, okay, I understand now. And tell me, do you wear your fandom proudly or is it some kind of like dark secret that you only reveal when you feel like you're in a safe space? No, I I definitely wear it proudly. (laughs) I actually... um, (laughs) I actually uh, lived in the outback in Australia for a, a while and um, there was a jukebox and they were obviously big American country music if you don't know the outback in Australia. But when they were asking for money for the jukebox machine, I would only give them change if they played Garth <laughs> first. <laughs> <laughs> so anytime it does brought up, I, I wear it proudly. But I love explaining to people why as well. I love explaining that, you know, it, it was an era that did happen. It was shortly after the show band era that it kind of, you know, it's kind of more of a history of Ireland, like, because it was um, a big part of the 90s. I know often say, like, you know, whatever they like, I don't look down on them. If they like Guns N' Roses, well, so be it, you know what I mean? We all have a, you know what I mean? Everyone doesn't like Maj Bars, you know what I mean? But most people do, you know what I mean? <laughs> That's the way I look at it. Tony, is there an urban-rural divide when it comes to people who like Garth Brooks and people who hate Garth Brooks? I think there used to be. I think that is now being much more diluted and much more diffuse. I, I, I mean, yeah, I mean, there still is. But I mean, plain old snobbery raises its head there. And as I've said before, you know, a good song is a good song. And there are people that just won't admit that for 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 their own reasons. The snobbery thing comes in, to, to me, it's a bit like... It's a bit like some social media platforms, you know. The snobbery can be a kind of echo chamber where mm. snarky, like-minded people can repeat themselves to each other and it kind of doesn't matter to them. I think anybody that has a wider perspective on it will see that any music act that has sold, as I said, well over 170 million records, they can kind of pretty much do what they damn well want to do. Coming up, how Garth Brooks is a huge supporter of gay rights and marriage equality. And the CMA Award for Entertainer of the Year goes to Garth Brooks. Now, we've talked about Garth Brooks's phenomenal success, but do we know anything about his politics? I mean, there's this lazy tendency, I suppose, to stereotype country singers like him as Republicans. But do we know which way he leans politically? 
Well, um, that's an interesting question. And I think it kind of is answered by his support for gay rights. As far back as 1999, you know, he said that if you're in love, you've got to follow your heart and trust that God will explain to us why we sometimes fall in love with people of the same sex. And one of his songs, We Shall Be Free, features the line, we're free to love anyone we choose, which has been widely interpreted as a reference to same-sex relationships. And interestingly enough, in 1993, Brooks won a GLAAD Media Award for the song. Uh, now, GLAAD, just for those who don't know, is a, a body that recognises and, and honours various branches of the media for their representations of the LGBTQ community. In 2000, he appeared at the Equality Rocks Benefit Concert for Gay Rights, uh, and he sang an, a, a duet with George Michael. And his half-sister, who died in 2013, was a lesbian. And Brooks has credited her with some of the inspiration for his support for same-sex marriage. So that kind of speaks for itself, really. So like, so he wears his liberal credentials proudly. With that in mind, I wonder, like, if he's this left-leaning, progressive, liberal individual, why isn't he cool? And I use the word cool very advisedly. Why is it that, like, the hipsters amongst uh, the world think that Dolly Parton is cool and Gareth Brooks is naff. I mean, is there any reason for that? Well, it it could be down to that kind of innate snobbery that some people have. It could be that country music in a general sense isn't regarded as cool. But I remember uh, there was a sign on my daughter's wall when she was growing up, when she was a teenager, you know, you should never ask for directions to cool. It just is. We couldn't possibly discuss Garth Brooks without reflecting on one of the biggest news stories of 2014. Country singer Garth Brooks has said he would crawl, fly or swim to Ireland to beg the Taoiseach that he'd be allowed to play five concerts at Croke Park. A A licensing row meant Garth would only be allowed to play three nights at Croke Park, even though tickets for five shows had been sold. What no one really kind of initially kind of noticed, especially... Aiken Promotions, I think it's fair to say, and Crow Park Management, was that there was a licensing conflict. Now, licensing conflicts aren't my thing, so I'm not really going into the whys and hows and wherefores and ins and outs of that. But the outcome was that because of these licensing difficulties, two of the five concerts were cancelled. Now, Brooks, he was committed to performing the five concerts And that was his commitment. And that was his people's and management's commitment. And he refused to follow through with the request to perform only three. And between the jigs, wheels, roundabouts, which also, by the way, included an open letter from the Croke Park Residence Committee saying they believed the concerts would contravene United Nations charters on human rights. The Lord Mayor of Dublin, Christy Berka, said that he is hopeful of a positive outcome. The Mexican ambassador contacted me yesterday and he offered his services at a diplomatic level if he could be of any help. And I had a group of residents from Ballybock who said they intend to call on Mr Obama to try and encourage Garth Brooks to play in Dublin. All attempts at resolution ultimately failed, leaving Garth's fans bitterly disappointed. 
Brooks did kind of come back with this statement, part of which, you know, could be a bit hokey if we were looking at it in a particular way. Uh, And he said this, you know, to say I am crushed is an understatement. All I see is my mother's face and I hear her voice. She always said things happen for a reason and for the right reason. And, you know, that was it, basically. Would you believe I actually camped outside Merchant's Quay in Cork uh, for the Ticketmaster booth in the shopping centre for tickets? <laughs> and it was the first day of my job. And she asked me, do you have any holidays booked? And I said, no, I just have Garth Brooks tickets. And that was nearly that was eight years ago. And I still haven't got to the concert. (laughs) I take it you're going to the concert. I am. And uh, going on the Friday night, I would take nothing less than the Friday night. I nearly had a panic attack trying to get it because we're getting eight tickets. So it was really difficult to get them. But um, I actually went, my first big concert was his concert in 1997. Me and my mom went. I was in the stand and all my cousins were in the pitch and they're all coming with us. So we're all going, my mom and all my cousins are all going and we're all in the stand. Paul, are you really excited? I take it, like, I mean, without asking the stupidest question in the world ever, I take it you have a ticket oh, I, for, th- th- for, th- for this concert. I have tickets. I have tickets. We live at that. I have tickets. You're not going to see him more than once, are you? Oh, I'm seeing him all five. You're seeing him all five times? All five times. I even have a wee, I have a wee um, autistic boy. He's 12 and he's non-verbal. Yeah. And about five or six months ago, he started listening. To what, you imagine my house always played at Gap Brooks. And now all of a sudden he's starting to look for this music Gar Brooks played so I decided that's it it's going to be his first concert Crow Park oh, that's lovely so I'm, I'm, I'm taking him up there it, so it'll be it'll be amazing too you know man Tony after all the waiting and all the anticipation what do you think fans can expect at his gigs which kick off tonight the 400,000 people who bought the tickets what, eight years ago, are now really, you know, looking forward to whatever these gigs are going to give. Well, you know, apart from uh, two to two and a half hour set per night of Brooks songs and I think maybe one or two covers, uh, there is going to be a kind of special one-off stage constructed for these gigs. So that implies it's going to be one of a kind of a whiz-bang of a spectacular show. Mm-hmm. But one thing uh, I was reading earlier on, Connor, on April the 30th, Garth Brooks performed in Tiger Stadium on the campus of Louisiana State University. And when he performed one of his very well-known songs, Colin Baton Rouge, he roused the audience to such a height that the noise level recorded on the university's seismograph registered as an earthquake. <laughs> So all I can say is Dublin, over to you. That's it for today. This episode of In the News was produced by Aideen Finnegan, Suzanne Brennan and Declan Conlon. Thanks to Tony Clayton Lee, Anne O'Donoghue and Paul McKeever. We'll be back on Monday.